You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome to Save a Pooch on Pet Life Radio. I am your host, Beverly Isla. Thanks for joining us. Today, our episode will teach us what we can do to help improve our pet's health simply by looking at your kitchen cupboards. And our guest is an award-winning pet nutritionist blogger, magazine writer, and editor-at-large at Dogs Naturally Magazine. And he happens to have one of the strongest social media following in Canada who labels him as the Jamie Oliver of pet food. And when we get back from these messages, we will hear from Rodney Habib. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Your pets will stay warm for the winter and be runway ready. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com Welcome back to Save a Pooch. We have Rodney Habib as our guest today, a pet nutritionist, blogger, and writer who has important tips to tell us all. So thanks for taking some time to talk to me today, Rodney. You are one multitasker. Well, thanks for having me, Beverly. Yeah, I do. I do a lot of stuff. Yes, I am very aware of what you do. And you've been doing this for years. What's your story on how you got into focusing on pet nutrition? Oh, man, you know, my story, uh, it's, it's a pretty simple story in my terms anyways. Basically, I, you know, I, I destroyed my pets with tainted foods and not paying attention to what I was feeding my pets, you know, the universe tries to give you messages and sometimes you listen and you don't. I got my first wake-up call in 2007 when the universe dialed in on me and I was feeding my uh, cat tainted veterinarian pet food uh, with oh, the that back, yeah, back in 07. And you know what? I just thought it was bad luck. I was like, hey, man, that just happened to me. Um, and I didn't really pay too much attention to it. And you know what? The universe called me back again. And, and when you don't pay attention the first time, man, it literally hit me with a sledgehammer um, and woke me up. You know, the universe will quickly upend you. And in 2008, I was feeding my my dog, my love of my life, Sammy, tainted chicken jerky. And I destroyed her kidneys to the point where, you know, the only 30% functioning. After oh, what my I, gosh. And, you know, they always say out of desperation comes inspiration. And that's, that's what created me today. And so, you know, I label myself a pet nutrition blogger. And any of my followers that, you know, that follow me know exactly why I do what I do. I'm just trying to right. spread a very, very important message. That is awesome. You are a nutritionist for humans, and you're just kind of gearing towards the animals now, right? 
Well, the reality is I, I did study abroad, and I studied nutrition. I worked in a pharmaceutical company over there, and I got my certification um, animal nutrition. But when I came over here to North America, of course, things are a little different. The systems are a little different here. So right. today, I blog, and I write, and I, you know, I get to work with some of the top veterinarians and experts in the world, where I relay information back to people, and of course, for their pets. Yes, yes, that is awesome. So what's your take on issues that are common in rescue dogs and how foods can improve their states? Like this could be stress, anxiety, malnutrition, depression, some of the common things that come through our doors here. What is your take on that? Yeah, you know, the rescue world, it's one of those self-rewarding worlds. It's it's a glorious world for a lot of people to be in because, I mean, they're fixing and they're helping um, mm-hmm. you know, improve the lives of many people. I mean, I've got my latest rescue here, a baby Shuby, my little husky, who really, I mean, I don't even know, want to know what my world would be like without her. But, you know, in my line of work, I get to see a lot, a lot of rescue and shelter dogs. I mean, you know, literally dozens a day will walk into my life uh, with people that, you know, have problems, and they're encountering a lot of issues. You know, in the beginning, in the olden days, I would always think they were training issues. And because of my line of work, I got, you know, to talk and interview a lot of trainers like Victoria Stilwell and Cesar Milan. And, you know, I got to speak with a lot of local international trainers around the world. And there was always a common theme. And, you know, they knew, you know, any good trainer out there knows the importance of, of nutrition and what bad foods, what type of roles that can play in rescue dogs today. Yes, absolutely. You know, think of it as in, you know, first, if you want to just break it down and and keep it into, you know, the realms of food, you know, as a pet, you're moved from one world to another. So you've got this massive stress load that you're enduring as a pet. I mean, you know, you and I, you know, we were talking before, even before we got on the show and, and, you know, what's going on with my dog and is it eating, is it not eating, is the dog under stress? And a lot of these animals, you know, when being moved around in these situations, there's a lot of cortisol release in that body. And, you know, when you've got a lot of stress and you factor in poor nutrition and poor environment, some of these animals get into these shelter systems and they have no idea if they've been vaccinated or not. So that, you know, a lot of these shelters don't know about tetra testing. So they may vaccinate again and over vaccinate and it suppresses the immune system even more. And then you keep suppressing that immune system and then you get a giant break in that immune system. And man, let me tell you, then you are the dog and you know, the people that rescue that animal or the fosters are in big trouble because a lot of problems start to happen. That's exactly what I'm going through right now with this one that I was mentioning to you. Yeah, I see, you know, if you want to focus on like some of the common issues, one of the big ones is, you know, high energy. You'll see some of these animals that are, you know, really strung out and I'll talk to a lot of fosters or, like I say, uh, rescue workers. And they're like, you know, this dog is all over the walls and I'm not really too sure why that's happening. But nobody ever thinks about looking what's going into that bowl directly. You know, these foods today that we feed them can be constituted of of up to 70% carbohydrates. And, you know, when you and I eat carbs, I mean, our body converts that to sugar. And you start feeding an animal that much sugar who's already um, on edge, you're going to have, I mean, imagine, we all know that kid when we were like in grade primary and grade one, that kid that was like ultra annoying. Now imagine giving him like a giant case of like Oreo cookies and what, (laughs) how much more annoying he would be strung out on sugar. And, yeah. and that's, you know what I mean? And that's one of those big effects that I see that, uh, you know, a lot of rescue people will come in. I get to see these animals that are, you know, that are super strung out. And in return, you know, allergies, itching and scratching, that it plays hand in hand with high energy dogs. 
and even at dogs for that matter that have low energy. Today, when an animal is itching and scratching, one of the biggest things that we do as a pet owner is we automatically self-diagnose and we're like, oh, that's an allergy. I saw him scratching. He 100% has an allergy. And that's, you know, I see a lot of these animals coming in and I speak with these people and say, I, I don't know what he's allergic to. But he's tearing himself apart, and now I had to put him, you know, I had to go get an exclusive bag from a veterinarian who was very kind enough to donate it to me. Um, he's on a hypoallergenic diet, let's say. Um, the bag is like 180 bucks for the dog, and no one will adopt the dog because he's subjected to that special diet for the rest of his life. And, you know, and some owners will look and say, geez, $180 to buy a bag mm-hmm. of life food. So they don't want the dog, right? Why do I want to adopt something where I'm going to have to be so heavily invested in a problem like that? And what they're not realizing is animals have a natural buildup of flora, you know, bacteria on the outside of the body and on the inside of the body. And even the same thing for a, a woman, Bev. If a woman is eating a high-sugar diet, she at some point is going to go running down to her doctor and scratching with a yeast problem. And right. the doctor's going to tell her, hey, man, slow down on that sugar in your diet. Start bringing some probiotic into your diet. You've got to control the sugars. It's, it's the same thing for a pet. If you start pumping in, you know, these processed foods that are really high in sugar, that dog is going to tear himself apart. And then you go to, you think that you need to be on a specialized bag. And, you know, you're causing all of these problems where this poor animal could be adopted out, but never really did get adopted out because of, you know, uh, maybe like a false perception of what the problem was. Right, Um, right. The list can go on and on. You talk to some people that have problems with sore and stiff and ailing dogs, and some of these foods that are being fed to them, again, these high-carbohydrate diets are super high in omega-6s, and omega-6s are pro-inflammatory, and you start pumping in inflammation into the food, and now this dog is sore, and he's stiff, and here he is in his first meet-and-greet with an owner, and he's not feeling so hot because he's really sore and he's really stiff, and he doesn't leave that awesome first impression with those parents or those possible adoptees. So they move along, and that poor dog never really gets noticed because, well, the challenge was he was being fed something that was really high and something in omega-6 that was pro-inflammatory. So that list can go on and on, and those are, you know, those are just some of the small problems that, that I'm seeing today uh, with a lot of uh, like shelter organizations. Yeah, it is so unfortunate because I have a full bag here that I picked up when I um, got this one the other day, and it's I don't want to name brands, but let's just say I don't know what I'm going to do now because that bag, I don't think I'm going to end up using it. Some people come from certain situations where, you know, it's unknown what they are fed. I know the greyhound uh, rescue groups are infamous for that. Uh, You know, these greyhounds that will come up sometimes from a racing background, they're fed fresh foods their whole lives. And then they get, you know, brought up into the the rescue organizations Mm -hmm. and they're looking for adoptees and, you know, they're put on processed food immediately. And it becomes a digestive disaster. Some of the dogs refuse to eat. People think it's stress. They come home. I talk to pet owners all the time. My dog won't touch any food or he's got or, you know, he's infamous for having a sensitive stomach and all of these things because, you know, we don't know the history of these animals. And sometimes it's really hard if these animals were brought up on fresh foods to try to convert them over to, uh, to, you know, to eating processed foods. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I can imagine or vice versa. Absolutely. Absolutely. But Rodney, we're just going to continue with our conversation after these messages from our sponsors. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. 
Life Radio, the number one pet radio network on the planet, joins forces with iHeartRadio to put the power of your pets in your pocket. Awesome. Download the iHeartRadio app and rock Pet Life Radio on your phone, on your tablet, on your Xbox, in your car. Pet talk, pet tunes, and fun pet times. Pet Life Radio and iHeartRadio. Positively possum. Calling all pet product manufacturers and pet experts. Let the public relations and marketing professionals at Whitegate PR get you featured in the news. I'm Dana Humphrey at Whitegate PR, and we have been specializing in pet product PR for over 10 years and can get your brand featured in the media from TV to radio to print to blogs. You can find out more at www.whitegatepr.com. Hey there, pet parents. This is Christy Vaughn, host of The Doggy Dish. Do you love your furry companion? Do you love making him or her healthy treats but can't seem to find the time? Great news. The Doggy Dish is the perfect show for you. Every episode is chock full of healthy and easy recipes that are made with ingredients you most likely have on hand. Tune into The Doggy Dish for yummy and healthy recipes for your canine kids. Every week, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. We are back talking with Rodney Habib about how foods can improve our canine friend's quality of life. Thank you so much, Rodney, for being here. You've mentioned so many, so many great things. I'm just going to move on here to what advice do you have for uh, rescue dog handlers? So be it us volunteers, rescue organizations that get food donations. How can they tell if it's good quality? And if it's not, what are some cost-effective alternatives that we can do? Right. And that's a great question. You know, first, let me say this, you know, for any anybody out there in the shelter organizations and rescue organizations, I mean, I completely understand, you know, the situations that a lot of these people are in. You know, some of these beautiful people, um, you know, and, and I know some of them firsthand are like, you know, either young girls or, or young people that have put these things together because they just want to save lives. So I know that money and time and resources are all restricted at that point. So it's not as easy as going and, and you know, and, and feeding all of these animals, all these organic, wonderful, healthy foods. So I do understand the challenges. So some of the tips, you know, that I can focus on, and let's pretend that you do have all these challenges that are there. I want a lot of the people out there to understand that, you know, it's super important to understand what you're putting into that animal. But it's also even more important to know what's coming out of that animal. Do you know what I mean? If, if you've got a loss of, uh, you know, God forbid, toxins and things like that that are going into that animal unknowingly, sugars and things like that, and it's not coming back out on the other end and it's building up in the body, you know, you're going to get a series of problems. And so one of the big things are, you know, where the, the donation food comes from. So I, I realize as an organization, I mean, whatever you can get is awesome. And and by all means, you know, you, you've got to exercise, you know, what your capabilities are of getting. So there's a lot of retail outlets out there and a lot of box stores out there that donate a lot of food. I know that firsthand. And I know that there's a lot of foods out there that are getting close to the best before date. And mm. you know what? You know, it's free food and it's great and it's going to help out a dog. And if it's only got a couple months left on it, that's perfect. But there's some challenges there that a lot of people don't know. Because I've seen this firsthand and I've seen a lot of retailers and people like that. It, when bags actually come in through the door, 
beds, you'll notice that they're full of a lot of air, and if they try to stack them on top of each other, they're almost like going to topple over. So one of the old tricks that some shop owners would do is they'd poke tiny little holes in the bag <sighs> to let the air out of them so they would sit properly. Hello, disaster. Wow. <laughs> That's the first thing I was thinking. like, oh, my gosh. Okay. Oh, man, you know, uh, you want to be careful for many reasons because – Pet food and processed foods are preserved with what's called mixed isosferols and vitamin C and vitamin E, and it's like a little tiny invisible force shield that, you know, surrounds that ball, that pellet, and it preserves it and all those nutrients inside of it. And so, you know, if, if there's shop owners out there listening, if you guys are poking those bags and Stop. you're allowing <laughs> air to get inside of that, that oxygen is very quickly going to wear away that invisible shield, those mixed testosterols off that food, and it's going to deplete all the nutrition in that food. Right. And, you know, you start doing that, and then, you know, you donate that wonderful bag to a shelter organization who has no idea, and they open up the bag, they don't notice the holes, they think it's a fresh bag, they pour it into a bowl, by that time it's completely depleted of any nutrition. I mean, you've got a pet that needs that nutrition for that immune system, and you're going to cause a lot of problems for those people um, unknowingly. And so, you know, a big tip is you really want to make sure if that bag was opened, how long was that bag open for? You know, I got to sit with a scientist, uh, Mark St. Donge, and me and him go back and forth when it comes to even like omega-3 fatty acids and oils. You know, when omega-3 goes rancid, so let's say that bag was open and that omega-3 goes rancid, rancid omega-3 can actually and will deplete the body of vitamin E. And when it does that, those animals will start to go lame. And so these poor animals, like we were talking before about stiffnesses and sorenesses, one of those big factors could be like a rancid bag, a bag like with giant holes in it, right? Right, so, right. Like, that would be like one of my number one tips is you really want to know, you really want to check that food. Now, of course, you know, I started this whole thing with the amount of sugar that's in food. So let's pretend that you do have a dog that's like itching and scratching or has this whole series of problems. Are you feeding that dog a lot of sugar? Let's say you've got a high-strung dog out. Are you feeding that dog with sugar? Bev, do you have any idea how to calculate the sugar that's in the bag of food that you have currently with your, with your foster dog? No clue. If it's not on the label, no clue. No clue. And that's it. And guess what? The pet food manufacturer will not tell you that because he, he doesn't have to tell you that. And that's a huge, huge problem. And when that law finally gets you know, placed where they have to tell people how many carbohydrates are in that bag, that is going to change a lot of views for a lot of people because when you look at that bag and you see some of those bags are 50 to 60 to 70% carbs, which is like 50% sugar, it's going to be a reality check and you're going to be thinking twice before you feed it to an animal. So for the people out there that are listening mm. and part of the rescue organizations, if you really want to know how to figure out how much sugar or carbohydrates, let's say, is in that bag of food, there is a small little calculation that you can do. It's kind of a secret calculation that's out there, but hopefully more people are spreading the word on how to do it. But if Ooh, you do tell. Bag, yeah, you flip the side of the bag around, you'll see a guaranteed analysis. And on that guaranteed analysis, you'll see your protein, your fat, your moisture, your fiber, and, and, and all those wonderful things. You want to add your protein, your fat, your moisture, and your ash. Your protein, your fat, your moisture, and your ash. Now, a lot of companies don't put the ash on the bags. So usually the average is anywhere around like 5 to 8%. So let's just say 6% average if you can't find it on the bag. And you minus that from 100 beds, that is going to give you your carbohydrate value. So you just add in all the numbers, the percentages. You got it. Protein, okay. fat, moisture, and ash. And you minus that from minus 100. Minus that by 100. That value that's left is your carbs. 
Okay. So if you've got something that's super high and you've got a pet that's already itching and scratching and let's say full of yeast, and then you go and you pump that dog full of 60 to 70% sugar and he's got a yeast problem, you're going to have a bigger problem on your hands coming up. So you really want to be careful of that. Ooh, boy. What about yeah, some of the things that uh, like us fosters would already have at home that we could feed? <laughs> yeah, you know, this is... <laughs> Anybody that knows me and anybody that follows my work knows that I am not a big fan of processed food. I am a huge fan of feeding our animals and feeding ourselves foods that come from Mother Earth, literally pulled from the ground, still full of dirt going into our bodies that could be organic and as clean as possible. Our world today is so polluted, you know, and I've blogged about this several times. The average human walks around with 212 different chemicals in his body. A dog, they did a study back in 2004, and they found that dogs had minimum of 80 to 100 different chemicals floating around in their bodies at all times. And we Oh, I believe that, yeah. It's terrible, and we pee out on average seven different pesticides a day. So, you know, these bags of processed food, unfortunately, you know, the reality check is this isn't the highest level of food that are being put in these bags, this is what's left over from human consumption that's being put in these bags. And you can guarantee that that's full of toxins. So, you know, your question to me is what can we do with things at home? Even a teaspoon, a tiny teaspoon of something fresh in that bowl is one teaspoon better than the original start of just a full bowl of processed food. So let's say you've got something in your refrigerator, carrots, and some dogs might not like vegetables, kale, or if you're willing to cough up some of the, you know, your ethically raised grass-fed meat, if you're willing to share some of that for your animals, that's wonderful. You know, maybe a teaspoon or a tablespoon of that for these rescue dogs. But I do want to say this. There are some wonderful rescue group organizations out there. I know that because they personally message me all the time, and I watch them on their journey of what they do. And a lot of these people are researchers, and they're phenomenal people. You know, they literally, have, they'll go to the farmer's markets, and, you know, our farmers will be selling all of these wonderful foods and all these organic foods that just got pulled from the earth. And when they don't sell them at the end of the day, some of that stuff goes to compost. These rescue and shelter organizations will make friends with these farmers and whatever is left over, whether it be meat, whether it be veg, whatever, they get saved at the end of the day rather than the farmer having to throw that out. You can take that home and you can freeze it if you want to last a little bit longer. And then you can add a little bit of that into the diet. So you're bringing in something fresh and bioavailable, something full of nutrients to help nurture that body a little bit. You can make friends with a butcher. You can make friends with restaurants. You know, That's again, a really good of, idea. Absolutely. Like these people are throwing out food daily, constantly. You yeah. know, butchers, they're cutting up choice meats to look beautiful for us and to look yummy for us. But if we don't want it, it doesn't look appealing. Well, it gets thrown out. Well, that's something that could go into an animal that could really, really help that animal. And, you know, lastly, I just I want to bring this one up because I saw this online. It blew my mind into the water. Um, mm. In the United States, there's a couple of shelter organizations that would go to, like, community events. And at community events, there's so much food that's there that at the end of it is thrown away because it's just an overabundance of food. And you're watching these shelter and rescue organizations with a quick phone call. Hey, after your event, do you mind saving some of the food? We'll come. We'll package it. Don't do any work. So for the community organizers, they're cleaning up with them. So they love that. And they're going home with a whole bunch of fresh food. You are giving me ideas now. (laughs) Thank you for that. That's a really, really good idea. I don't know how often rescues here and where I am is doing that. But if they're doing that where you are, it's a really good start. 
Oh, absolutely. I, I see them doing that, and it's it's phenomenal. I got to teach at the uh, the Raw Roundup last year uh, for Dogs Naturally magazine, and one of my jobs was, you know, cost efficiency. Like, how can we do this? And, you know, when we were putting the data together, uh, Kevin, my cameraman, and I, and we were, you know, putting some numbers and figures together, you could feed a 100-pound dog a day for about 65 to 75 cents. And that's not a lot. And so and that's completely feeding them fresh food. So this is going to abattoirs, like slaughterhouses, uh, farms, farmer's markets, butchers, even your local grocery store at the end of the night. Believe it or not, um, even on weekends, they're throwing out a lot of really good meat that nobody wants to buy at the end of the day. So if you make friends with, you know, one of the clerks here that work at the grocery store, guess what? You can be bringing that into your shelter organization, freezing it up, and adding a little bit of fresh there to help those dogs that are in those stressful situations by putting something yummy into their bowls. Perfect. 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 Thank you. I'll definitely share that message. So really quickly, we're about to wrap up here. What are you up to in your endeavors? Like the short time I've known you, you seem to be going full force with your passion, which I'm so happy for you. You can quickly tell us what you're up to. Well, yeah, you know, it's um, life is super busy at the moment, but it's super awesome. Um, I'm, you know, as the editor at large over at Dogs Factory Magazine, I do a lot of awesome stuff with those guys. I have the Raw Roundup coming up next month with, you know, Dr. Karen Becker and Dr. Marty Goldstein, Dr. Ian Billinghurst. Like the top doctors in the world are going to be teaching people, um, you know, how to be making foods for their pets. It's a phenomenal course if people, you know, want to learn. You know, you can just click online. You can watch it. It's super awesome. I have a TV show, too, that we got. Uh, filmed on pet obesity so hopefully that'll be out soon and there'll be a lot of good tips and things like that in there and then last but not least uh, something exciting um, I do an on-air podcast with Dana Scott editor-in-chief over at Dogs Naturally called On Air with Dogs Naturally and so we, we're flying out to California next month and uh, we've got another hopefully 8 to uh, 15 new episodes for people tips on uh, how to make your dogs healthy perfect perfect thank you so much Ronnie we are out of time um, and I'd like to thank Mark Winter our producer for making the show possible you can come join the Save a Pooch community at saveapooch.com lastly if you have any questions comments or ideas for a show please email me at beverly at petliferadio.com so until next time spread animal compassion let's talk pets every week on demand only on petliferadio.com <laughs>